FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 223 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! <laughs> Sorry. We're your hosts, Jason and Denise Sweepy Venable. What's up? <laughs> and we're here to talk about Resurrection Week 1. Resurrection? Yeah, they spell it with an X. Oh, it sounded very phallic. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Like erection? Yes. What? If anything, it's more phallic without the egg because it's actually spelled more similarly. Anyway, just in time for Easter, we have X-Men Resurrection. <laughs> oh, man. And based on what you just said, you should feel very guilty. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm drinking my coffee. I'm half asleep. <laughs> We're good. We're good. So yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple of changes, some new chapters in, in the X books. So all new Wolverine gets a new kind of soft launch in a new direction. Mm. And then Dan from the Inner Comics podcast is coming back to talk about X-Men Gold. Woo, bright and shiny things. Yes. and I get distracted by bright and shiny objects. <laughs> Are you magpie? Hold on. So anyway, that's going to be our episode. Uh, you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. All right. So first up for Resurrection Week 1 is all new Wolverine number 19, which features a new darker question mark direction for Laura and all new Wolverine. This, of course, is written by Tom Taylor. And the new penciler is Leonard Kirk. Inker is Cody Hampshire. Colorist is Michael Garland. Letterer is VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo. And the main cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. And it says uh, Adam Kubert after Art Adams. So he's taken that classic, iconic Wolverine pose by Art Adams that was all over the place in the mid to late 80s and um, redid it with Laura as Wolverine. And it's a pretty cool cover. I, Laura, if anything, she's a little tall. <laughs> oh, her tallness didn't bother me. What do you think? Of, yeah. So anyway, it's it's a well-drawn. I mean, I love Adam Kubert. He's one of my favorites. It's a very well-drawn cover, very dynamic. Uh, the coloring looks really good. So I guess the question is, what do we think of the new costume? Uh, I actually had issues the way with the way it was drawn. Like the way it was drawn and the way it was designed, or both? Drawn. Okay. I don't mind the design. I don't mind the pose, but I I want to see a part of a foot. Well, okay, so I kind of thought that too, and then I saw that it was an homage. And so I'm not saying that Kubert would have put the foot in, but I'm wondering if he intentionally left it off because the drawing he was based on didn't have it. If that makes sense. All right, I'll let that one slide, but <laughs> why is her foot bent? That's the ankle. It looks like she has a weird bone. Oh, I don't know. And her shin to thigh yes, ratio. Yes, her, her, leg, her leg is very long. I think it's supposed to be perspective, like she's stepping towards you, but it looks like her leg is about eight feet long. And that her ankle is broken. <laughs> okay. Rather than that, it's a pretty great cover. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you think of the new costume, though? Let's focus on that for a second. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of that cover, or that costume. Okay. It's very, all I could think of was she was Batman, okay. and Gabby is Star-Lord. Right. All right. So uh, Wolverine's new costume is based on her old X-Force costume, is X-23, kind of combined with Wolverine's X-Force costume. Um, so... That's where you have it. Uh, there was a uh, alternate, or I guess variant cover is the word we use in comics, uh, by Leonard Kirk. And we get a sample of that on the title page. And I really like that one as well. Mm, it's nice. Yeah. But anyway, so this is Immune 
part one of three, and we're going to get a brand new story. So we start off with... A comet is plunging towards Earth. Yes, a meteorite of some sort falling through the atmosphere, and it somehow got through all of Earth's like detection systems. Yep. And while this meteor is crashing down upon Earth, there's a boat. Yes, and on this boat, people are getting murdered. <gasps> oh, no, and there's a pair of red beady eyes. Yep. And the red beady eyes say, go to the communication room below decks. <laughs> Stay in the shadows, Star-Lord. You got it, Batman. Well, no, you say that, but looking at the uh, yes. uh, silhouette, it looks like Batman and Robin. It does, <laughs> but it's Star-Lord. It's not Star-Lord, it's Gabby. It's Gabby, yeah. pretending to so be anyway, Star-Lord. They're going to stay in the shadows, but as the comet gets closer to the Earth and burns up and lights up the night sky as if it were the middle of the day. And the shadows are gone. Yes, and our heroes are exposed. And I love how Gabby has a flower decal on her costume. Well, it's from her old pants, right? I have no idea. Yes, yes you do. <laughs> It's those little leggings she wore. Had one side had okay. So what'd she do? Cut it up and like decoupage it to her costume? Possibly. So anyway, all these guys on the boat point their guns at our heroes. I also I like how she has like shoulder pads and almost like an armor on her upper body. Uh, I think they pay play a little fast and loose with her costume because this I feel like is a jacket. And in other parts, I feel like it's a jacket. But then in other panels, I feel like it's a unitard. Oh, I was talking about Gabby. Oh, I'm sorry. Gabby's armor. I was talking about Laura's armor. Yes, she does have armor too. Which, we'll bring that up in a second. Because so we have a full page splash and them getting shot up. And Laura's making ugly face. Well, she's getting shot at. Well, I know, but it's like... <laughs> Let's see your shot at face. Well, <laughs> you know when girls say... I did the ugly cry. This is the ugly shot. (laughs) The ugly I'm being shot face. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Then we see Ironheart. She's flying around trying to stop the comet and kind of having a rough go of it. So She's arguing with her Tony Stark AI. (laughs) I know nothing of Ironheart. So this was... uh, Oh, great, great book. Great. Just for... Other listeners, I, I know you don't really have time to start reading a bunch of extra books, but for other listeners who, if you're not reading that book, it's fantastic. Anyway, I was schooled very quickly, but I yeah, will I say... you and I were crash course and what, they were, what was yeah, going on. I was going to say, for not knowing, I mean, I don't know why she's the new Iron Woman, but they at least gave me enough information to kind of put the pieces together right. that she is the new or... Whatever. She's the Iron Iron Woman. She's Ironheart. And she's got Tony Stark, little floating head. I think it's just representing that he's inside her suit. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think other people can see the floating head. I don't know. His little floating head's like fifty feet from her (laughs) (laughs) in the next panel over. True. Well maybe so. Then maybe he's like the head from a Pee Wee's Playhouse. That that's weird. What's that guy's name? I have no idea. Oh, shoot. I, I never feel... watched Pee-wee's no. Playhouse. I wasn't allowed to. You weren't allowed to? Yeah. Because wasn't Pee-wee's Playhouse on Nickelodeon? Uh, Maybe. I don't remember. All I know is I was never allowed to watch anything on Nickelodeon. <laughs> that was a weird rule. Oh, my parents thought there was bad programming. <laughs> well, it was. But, it... but like... You're going to make bad choices in life if oh. you continue to watch this programming. Yes. You're going to dump slime on people. Yes, I'm yeah. going to be disrespectful to my elders. And that's the Disney Channel. <laughs> Where parents are all idiots. That's the Freeform Channel. Freeform. Is that even a channel? How is that a channel? I don't know. <laughs> um, so anyway, she's having trouble with the meteorite. Our heroes are laying on the ground dead. And they stand up, and I, so at first I thought they were just kind of making them play off the movie, because Laura stands up and the bullets start falling out. And I thought they were, like, doing the whole, like in the movies with Logan, whenever he gets shot, like, as his body heals, they kind of eject the bullets out. Yeah. So I kind of thought that's what was going on, but it turns out, no, it's just the bullets got wrapped up in this armor somehow. 
on this bulletproof jacket she's wearing. This is an interesting twist on, and we'll get to it in a second. But yeah, her armor is bulletproof. Yeah, I mean it's it's a bulletproof Kevlar, some some kind of jacket. So we get a snicked from each of them, as Gabby's like, do we still have to be quiet? <laughs> But what I think is funny is, so Laura Snicked is drawn very tall, thin letters, and Gabby Snicked is drawn in very short, squatty letters. Hmm. Okay. And at first I thought it was just because they were trying to fill the space, but I'm wondering if it was more than just a... Well, remember, Gabby has a bone claw, just one. Just one. From each hand, and Laura has the two adamantium claws in her hand. Right. Although, in that one panel, it looks like Gabby's bone claw comes out of her wrist. Well, you know, out of the forearm. Right. Not out of the knuckle. Oh, oh, like it, yeah, it doesn't come down her hand. It looks like it comes out, like, where her wrist starts. Okay, yeah, maybe so. Or even further back. It may just be the way he's drawn it, yeah. I'm not sure. We get another full page spread of our girls in action as they're getting shot at yet again. And Gabby yells, covert action team attack. Uh-huh. As Laura slices off a guy's hand with her foot. Oh. Just for Dan. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so our meteor lands on Roosevelt Island. And uh, Ironheart is distracted, disgusted, whatever, with all the people trying to go viral with the footage. And she, she's not disgusted yet. Oh, not yet. Okay. But she finds out that there's a little kid. Yeah, a little baby this, alien girl. This meteorite was not just a giant rock. Yeah, it was, it was a ship from Krypton. Yep. And this girl pops out and she goes... Bla, 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 bla. Yep. And then she says Wolverine's name, Laura Kenny. And then she dies. Yeah. And that's when Ironheart gets mad. Well, but not quite yet. <laughs> right. Because when we jump over to Batman and Star-Lord. <laughs> <laughs> They're now below decks, and there's another bang. Wolverine gets shot again, and the bullet falls to the ground. And the evil professor says, oh. Beep. Yeah. So so we find out what this mission is, is that Laura and Gabby, and this is actually pretty cool. So remember from Enemy of the State when Gabby, they got on that pirate ship on the way to Madripoor, Found out there was like a human smuggling right. traffic ring going on. Obviously, they were unhappy about it. And Gabby, when they sent the kids home and she was going to take care of them, you could tell Gabby was upset and flustered by the right. whole thing. So anyway, they've tracked kind of the ringleader down. Right. And they're following up. They didn't just like save the kids and forget about it. Like they're going to try to shut the whole thing down. Yeah. And so they stabbed this guy through the chest and Laura's like, who's in charge? And he eventually says that he is. Uh, they recorded it for S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, no, not for S.H.I.E.L.D., for the guy's mom. <laughs> yeah, I love how that he's like, who are you going to turn me into, S.H.I.E.L.D.? And she's like, son? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. So then back at Roosevelt Island, people start getting sick. And Ironheart realizes that the alien brought a disease and it's spreading. So they got to quarantine the island. So she... So Spider-Man and Nova were on their way. They stop in their tracks. Yep. No one can come. Then S.H.I.E.L.D. gets hardcore. Uh, well, first, we get some more nice banter between Gabby and Laura. So the so Laura's armor, or jacket, whatever you want to call it, is bulletproof. And uh-huh. it was apparently all Gabby's idea. And she's like, hey, why get shot? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's why I remember remember when we did the Paul Cornell uh, Wolverine story that he had armor. Right. But that's because he didn't have a healing factor anymore, right? Yes. But also, I mean, the idea of, I mean, it made sense. Like, why would, just because you can heal doesn't mean you should just take bullets automatically. Right. Like you should still try to protect yourself and then you don't have to get healed at all. Just keep going. Yep. Anyway, uh, Gabby says, does it hurt? And Laura says, they're bullets. Of course they hurt. Do you like it? Logan, the first Wolverine was a macho dick who probably felt he had something to prove. You're smarter than that. Stop punishing yourself. 
I'm sure being shot still hurts a bit, but now bullets won't tear through your internal organs. That's got to be a plus. So say it. Say what? You were right, Gabby. Then she's about to admit that Gabby was right when Captain Marvel shows up. And Gabby's like, oh, come on. Looks like Captain Marvel's making a move on Wolverine. Well, she does. She grabs her and takes off, blasts off into space. And so they take... Come with me, Batman. (laughs) They take Wolverine to the helicarrier to talk to Nick Fury. And here they talk about how they're going to nuke Roosevelt Island, which seems pretty extreme, even for a quarantine situation. Then they start blowing up the bridge and say how... Not how they're going to try to force people. They're going to kill people that try to get off the island. Yeah. This this seems, I don't know. I mean, sure, in Trump's America, but still. Well, what's interesting is, is they do all this, and then at some point, Fury goes, the president's calling to torch the island. We're delaying him. Right. <laughs> okay, but you blew up a bridge. Yeah, both sides. Yeah. But anyway, Laura's like, oh, I get why I'm here. I have a healing factor. Job security. <laughs> Job security, yeah. <laughs> And so she parachutes down and she's in the air and to be continued. <gasps> I gotta say the next cover looks amazing. It's Batman and long haired Star Lord. Well, I like the way that they're back to back and they're we'll talk about it when we get to that issue. But yeah. they're back to back and the Gabby's bone claw goes between Laura's claws, so it's like the three, three cla- the classic yeah. three claws. It's really cool. Um anyway, we'll talk about that later next time. But now, what did you think of the art? I like the colors in it. Yeah. And I, I I don't really have any huge complaint with the art. I wish I I don't know. I have a hang up with the Batman Star Lord thing. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> You've said it several times. I'm I'm trying to say it at least forty times in this Forty podcast. times. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think I'm up to five. All right. Yeah, something like that. I like the art. I don't love the art but i like it i think it's pretty good i'm hoping i mean it's good enough that i hope and he's i guess a recognizable enough name i hope he sticks around for a little while and they get some consistency on this book um this book deserves it what do you think of the story it's giving me weird flashbacks to the microverse why i don't know why i don't know if it's because people are getting sick around someone and wolverine comes running in to save the day and then Gabby's the little kid and the they're at a they're on an island like a mall I mean I don't know wow I'm having weird like I think you're stretching a little bit but maybe we'll see you could be totally right and I could be totally wrong it's just the whole idea of it's a virus right or people are getting sick and so Wolverine's gonna come running in so as far as we know Mm-hmm. Laura hasn't spent like just a ton of time out in space. Like you know, her her corner of the X Men that she's worked with haven't had a lot of space faring adventures, right? As opposed to like Logan, maybe at this point in his career, had you know already been off with the Shi'ar and stuff like that. Um, so I'm very intrigued by why this alien knows Laura. Yeah. And is she targeting Laura? Like, is this virus supposed to maybe, like, attack her and overcome her healing factor? Like, is it just that badass of a virus? Or, you know, does she know that Laura has the key to, like, curing the virus? Mm. You know? I don't know. But it's very interesting. I'm really interested to see, like... And why a little kid? Right. Is she the last survivor of Krypton? I don't know. But, yeah, why she singled out or even knows of Laura, I think I'm... At least that part I'm interested enough to try to find out. And I still, Tom Taylor's relationship between Wolverine and Gabby is just fantastic and super endearing and the highlight of pretty much all the issues. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, we got to see a little bit of Ironheart and that was fun. Yeah, not not like a, whoa, yeah, this totally warrants, you know, the new direction or whatever, but... You know, I can see that, you know, if they're going to try to do some, some missions their way. They need the darker costumes, maybe. Um, uh, yeah. But. They're going into the darkness of space. <laughs> maybe so. 
All right, well, what do you want to grade All New Wolverine number 19? Um, it was very middle of the road for me. Okay. So I'm going to give it three out of six. Okay. And pray that they fix the Batman Star-Lord thing. <laughs> I need a sound effect to put every time you say that. <laughs> what would it be? I don't know. Wham! <laughs> Pow! Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to give it four out of six squads. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. But, yeah, I mean, it had enough to go on. They're following up, right, on the on the human traffic ring. And you have the alien mystery thing. And, yeah, I mean, there's enough going on, and the art was solid enough. So four out of six for me. For all-new Wolverine number 19, three out of six for Denise. And that's our that's our first resurrection book, and um, now we'll uh, we'll talk to Dan about X Men Gold. Score. Gold. Gold. Bright, There's gold in them there hills. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Next up for our uh, resurrection week one episode, we're going to talk about. <laughs> the debut of X-Men Gold and the You Just Heard Always review, but also weighing in uh, the return of Dan Cole from the Inner Comics podcast. Hey, Dan. Hello. I might, I might agree with Ollie. Uh, <laughs> you, don't, you don't think this is pure gold? Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't realize it'd be puns. Um, <laughs> perhaps not. <laughs> Maybe fool's gold. Fool's, perhaps. ah, there you go. Very nice, very nice. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what you can uh, expect in this episode. <laughs> that and apparently lots of background noise. This is going to be the segment full of Jason's background noise. My life on display. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Dan, for coming back on. Uh, of course, no if, you, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, Dan was gracious enough to uh, give us all kinds of great thoughts on X-Men Prime. And so I look forward... I guess this is the first official kind of chapter after X-Men Prime, and it's going to be X-Men Gold, the start of the new series. Of course, we have the blue and gold teams, just like we had in the 90s, but, you know, instead of confusing people, they're actually calling the books gold and blue. (laughs) Instead of going, which one is uncanny and which one is adjectiveless, they put it right there on the cover for you. So thanks, Marvel, for doing that. Um... (laughs) So, uh, credits for this book, this resurrection book, which were you a little surprised, Dan, that there wasn't like any resurrection headdress on this book? Yeah, um, I, yeah, because to be honest, I'm like, is this, <laughs> it's a number one. Right. And then even, even the number one's really small. You'd think like a massive badush number one, like Marvel right. usually do. Yeah. Would be on there. Yeah, but nothing, nothing like that. It just looks like a, other than just being a very bright cover, and kind of just is a normal, looks like a normal run-of-the-mill issue. Um, So let's talk about the creative team. This is Back to the Basics, part one, which is what they promised us, right? And it's written by Mark Guggenheim, penciled by, I've always said Adrian, but I guess it's Ardian, CF, um, inked by Jay, shh, listen. Colors by Frank Martin and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. <laughs> cover is by Seoff, Listen, and Martin. On the main cover. Do you have the main cover, Dan, or did you get one of the myriad of variants? I got the main cover, but like, but my cover, Marvel has done a sh- shoddy work for the British version. Because oh, it feels <laughs> like it's about to fall off. So I'm holding it. <laughs> well, life. I have the main cover, yes. Oh, no. Okay, well, let's say it did fall off. How much would you miss it? Um, let me just look at what's inside. Not much, to be honest. Okay. Right. So the cover is, it's a team shot. And true to the name of the book, the background is all like gold light. And the X-Men are coming out of the shiny gold light, being led by Kitty Pride, And she is flanked by uh, Rachel, who I guess we have to call Prestige now. I don't, I don't. Okay. <laughs> And then uh, we have Clint Eastwood, Old Man Logan. And then behind them, we have Colossus, who is probably the best-looking part of this cover. And then behind him, we have Nightcrawler and Storm. Yes. 
And I mean, it's not a bad cover. It's just I don't know. My my eyes drawn to the little character box thing yeah, in the X. Right. It, I just ignore the rest of it, and I'm like, oh, what's this? And I'm just looking at it, and it's this is Lennon, isn't this Lennon Kirk? Leonard Kirk, they did these little kind of arts um, things. Is Looks it, like his work. Yeah, it could be. It definitely is somebody different. It's not Siaf or Siaf. I don't know how you say that. There's a giant hole in there. That begs me. There's a, a giant hole. There's a hole. Yeah, your eye goes right between Colossus oh. and Old Man Logan, and I just. That's where my eyes where the are. white, where the white of the light is. Don't, don't <laughs> the, shoot till you see the, the whites of the lights. Um, I think if you had the group shot like it is in the corner box, but as the main thing, I think maybe that would be a bit, a bit more striking, perhaps. Yeah, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, you know. It, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't know. I just think it's a bit. This cover's a bit. Boring. It's bright. You'll see it on the shelf because like, it'd be the only that looks so unbelievably yellow. Right. <laughs> gold. But gold, Dan. Gold. Other, yes. But other, other than that, it's just like, meh. They should have charged off $5 more and made everything gold foil. Ooh. That would have been, you yes. know, it's a return to 90s. We should have had the gold foil embossed cover. That would have been. one could be a blue foil. Oh, Therefore, man. That'd be great. Not. <laughs> oh man, I remember those days. Actually, probably more fondly than I should, but um, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, the cover is just kind of eh. You know, and this is a weird thing that happens, Dan, and maybe you have an explanation for it. I don't. Um, <laughs> so this is like the second or third guy in a row who uh, jumped ship and came over to Marvel from DC. And whose work that I loved at DC, and I think is just kind of average in Marvel. And so I don't know if it's they're asked to do something different, or if it's just different inkers that are making the art look a lot different. But you know, I kind of think of Aaron Cooter, whose work at DC was phenomenal on his action comic stuff, and even some of the Green Lantern stuff he did before that. Then he came over and did Death of X, and it was like it wasn't garbage or anything but it just was like not exciting at all and cf's kind of the same way or however you say his name um really really enjoyed his new 52 batgirl and he also did some green lantern stuff before that that was pretty good but we'll talk more as we go through this book but his art's just kind of average i I think maybe the book clearly has uh just like a a distinct idea of what it should look like so maybe it's been asked to do right. it a little bit more classical yeah maybe so i don't know i say classical dull i don't like i don't like the cover it doesn't strike me because like it's not fair to compare it to x-men blue with our adams on the cover but right. like that's that's a striking team shot composition wise whereas this is just running yeah running i was running I don't know. They don't even look like they're running right. <laughs> like old man Logan. And of course he is old. Maybe he's got a, a hink in his hip. But he has bad running form. <laughs> but anyway, enough of the cover, I guess. Uh, we start off with the fact channel. And we have this lady, uh, Lydia Nance. who is explaining why it's not bigoted to hate mutants. Yes. That's contemporary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in fact, I was thinking of kind of the analog, and she talked about why uh, mutant phobia was not the same as racism. And I kind of expected for her, I mean, they literally stopped just short of saying, well, but God didn't make the mutants that way, <laughs> you know, which is what you might hear in a different conversation. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, obviously, she sounds like a terrible person, but... You know, her her little newscast is going to pop in and out of this episode as different people kind of watch it and react to it. What do you think of of starting the book this way? I think, um, I don't don't really know, actually. I sort of read it and was like, is she like a female striker? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, because like, obviously it's... Hate and fear is all part and parcel of, of the X-Men, and I think the book drops the ball 
quite often when it's trying to hit that. Just this, this issue alone. And I think starting with um, this, like, sort of rhetoric that mutants are different. It's not prejudiced to be upset with mutants because they're people of mass destruction or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Humans of mass... Which I thought that was really weird. And... um and she does say human beings of mass destruction instead of saying like objects or people like it almost it almost like counteracts her argument to recognize them as human beings. But yeah, it's just a bizarre thing. Is it? It's like sort of saying, well, they're feared and hated, and the reason they're feared and hated, as opposed to all the other superiors, is because they're born that way. Right. It's, and then she says it's not about racism or bigotry, and it's kind of like, <laughs> but you. Kind of just said the reason we don't like them is because they're born that way. It's kind of like right. it's kind of like the definition yep. of some of those words. But anyway, crazy people on the fact channel. So obviously, yes. someone doesn't like Trump. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. I think it it all obviously is kind of trying very hard to say this is the world the X Men are back in. No more dealing with. Inhumans and magical stuff. It's is back to they're fighting against oppression and prejudice and bigotry and all that. So that part I thought was I was fine with that. Then we get a double page spread of a, a different team shot, which looks a little bit cooler than the cover. Um, it should have been a cover. Maybe yeah. it should have been like a wraparound cover. <laughs> and it's the X Men Gold Team in some rubble. Uh, Old Man Logan has his claws out this time, which I thought it was a weird choice to put him on the cover with no claws. Um, you figure they would like show everyone using their powers, you know, but um, those claws are so like chunky. Yes, they're very chunky and a little bit short, but we had that in X Men Prime as well. But um, I think Colossus looks good. Uh, I think Kitty's facial expression looks good. Kind of her her pose in the rubble here. Nightcrawler looks fine. I don't know. He's he's doing an interesting thing. And I don't know if, if you caught this or not. His old man Logan to me looks a whole lot like John Burtonall. <laughs> yes, he does now. Look at him. <laughs> can I can I just say two things that would improve improve uh the look of the characters? Okay. Give Colossus a full top. Because there's no <laughs> point that that weird X thing is weird. Yes. And and maybe give him actual trousers. And just take the cape off um Rachel Prestige Grey yeah I, I'm not saying it I'm not far <laughs> Prestige I think it's I think it is terrible what happened but, to her her facial tattoo stuff obviously we're not allowed them okay <laughs> now she just has these weird like things that are gonna eat her eyeballs yeah, yeah. they do look weird don't they yeah. oh and give um, Storm some uh, trousers Pants? that'd yeah. be nice <laughs> less go-go boot more working woman I don't know yeah, um, maybe. Something. But yeah, so the X-Men are here. They're in business. And they're fighting that classic X-Villain, Terax. <laughs> I was trying to think, is this the first time they've ever fought Terax? Like, ever? Possibly. Okay. No, I don't think it is. I think they fought him in an annual in the Savage Land. Um, either, like, right before Evolutionary War or during Evolutionary War. Because Terax, like, when he fell to Earth in the Savage Land... I became this giant like rock monster, and mm-hmm. I, I think I think the at uh, the X Men fought him uh, via Art Adams at some point, but uh. but it's probably been a while. Um, I like how Rachel's like, isn't he supposed to be dead? And Colossus and Nightcrawler are like, me too. <laughs> and then one of the best lines of the book, Old Man Logan says, "I hear there's a me that still is." <laughs> no, that was funny. It made me chuckle. Yeah, and they use uh, they use teamwork to defeat Terax. You wanna you wanna describe some of this battle for us, Dan? Well, essentially, um, Kitty in full on action leader mode sends Storm and Rachel to keep him because he controls the Earth to keep him in the sky, where where herself, Nightcrawler, and Logan will go into the go into the a skyscraper that's about to fall and Paul. Pete has the job of keeping it solid, um, stable for a little while, while <laughs> Logan has to literally leap off. He must have still have good legs, because he has to leap off the building to attack T-Rex, where Nightcrawler goes and finds everyone else, and Kitty just prepares herself to 
phase the entire sk- skyscraper through into the floor so it doesn't hurt anyone or anything else or cause any more destruction than they already have. And it basically works. Yeah. Yeah, and Kenny powers up big time. Um, the panels of Old Man Logan fighting Terax in the, in the sky are not bad. We get a nice little snicked. And then the one of him like trying to slice at Terax's axe is actually a pretty decent little panel there. Colossus is really, like, really struggling. He's about to have a hernia holding this building up. So what do you think of Kenny, Kenny like, way powering up to phase this whole building? We have the shot where it literally falls through another skyscraper and then falls into the ground. Well, um, you know, I just think to myself, well, I've seen a phase an entire bullet through a world, so... True, true, true. going to be a problem, isn't it? All right, I guess <laughs> not. So... So then she comes back out of the ground and she gives a big speech, uh, a Professor X type speech, as you will. Oh, so uh, the the people are listening to the speech. Some of them, most of them, are pretty upset. Um, and Kitty kind of su- succeeds, succeeds that they have a reason to be mad after IVX. She says they're going to try to start rebuilding the trust starting today. What do you think of Kitty's speech? Um, I think I don't like. <laughs> no, I, I really. I've seen a lot of people talk about how this is like bringing the X Men back to basics and well, back to like a a time and a place that we all enjoyed. But my X Men would never apologize like that. Like they would defiantly stand in front of because they're basically just hateful bigots like usual human beings to mutants right. and they wouldn't be like oh i'm sorry we have been you know it was our fault <laughs> right. you know i just i just seems really mm, it doesn't feel like my x-men right. you know what i mean it doesn't it, I, not even kitty would i think kitty would be like cheers bye <laughs> you know what i mean right. they just they'd just leave they would be like whatever dudes you know right. we've just saved your lives um, our actions will speak louder than words. Right. And to have like a, a speech that placates them, it, it just doesn't. It reminds and and like right now, what's happening around like in the real world, placating that kind of attitude kind of sits doesn't sit well with me at right. all. I can see that. Yeah. And to see the X Men or or AX Man sort of hold their hands up. <laughs> like, yeah, right. sorry, the the inhuman PR machine was right. We are to blame. For yeah, that, that, that's the part that kind of made me mad. Is like, why would they apologize for not wanting to die? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't get it. It just, I didn't like it. It's yeah. it's, it's really nicely um, paneled. To be fair, like Kitty looks quite determined and and, and quite powerful, which is like yeah, a great is. way to look at it. She but, uh, she's actually a pretty imposing figure through most of this book, so that is a a credit to the art team. At least we move on to something slightly more um, X Meny. Yes, um, playing baseball. They call it softball, not baseball. Do they? <laughs> they do call it soft. Like Logan calls it softball. It might be a future thing. Oh, or maybe he's just trying to make them feel wimpy. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't he out there playing? He's too old now, Grandpa. I will say. Because Rachel's throwing overhand, so it's not always no, softball's underhand. But also, it looks like she is like maybe six feet away from Colossus <laughs> pitching the ball. I'm taller than everyone else on the field. Right, right. And I will say, uh, if Colossus hit that really hard and it came back and hit her, it would kill her. She's so close. <laughs> well, they don't know how to play, do they? And they play with their superpowers. So they don't really know how to play the, the True, game. true, true. So we do have a couple of notables, I guess. Uh, Quentin Quire is in the infield. Uh, who's the gray bald guy? I have no idea. Okay, I even... just random mutant number five. Um, could, it could be anyone. It yeah. could literally be any mutant. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jenny said red shirt away team, but he's wearing a white shirt. But same same difference. Um, yeah, he'll be dead in the next issue. For sure. <laughs> And then we have Nightcrawler bamfing to catch a ball. Yep, so Colossus hits. You know, the last time, going through the flashbacks, I read an issue recently 
where Colossus hit a ball and he literally hit it into the atmosphere. This one, <laughs> this one doesn't go that far. <laughs> but yeah, so they play some baseball. Um, Logan drops a, a gold pun where um, he says softball is normal and normal has always been a short supply for this outfit. It's like gold. Get it? X-Men gold. Oh, God, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and then Kenny asks if he's getting sentimental in his old age, and he says, tell anybody, and I'll gut ya. <laughs> and then who shows up at the... Ba- who crashes the baseball game? Essentially a lawyer, yes. I think. Yeah. Like, the mayor's lawyer, um, who comes and is like, there's even more stuff to do, because you have just illegally parked your mansion in Central Park. So we need to charge you rent, essentially. Right. And it is a lot of rent. Yeah, like, $18 million for... Uh, it's like, for just a bit of green. Well, it is Central Park, right? So yeah, and I'm, sure they're, I'm sure they're gouging it a little bit to try to, to, try to nicely convince them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> More than likely. They seem happy with the situation. They love having the little mutants in the park, obviously. Yeah, right. And Logan's like, want me to claw him? <laughs> I must admit there's some good um, interplay between Kitty and Logan. Yes, there are. He does talk about how he's grumpier. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, that's a nice little scene. And then we switch to that night in Storm with her old 80s, just regular white long hair is talking to... Nightcrawler in a um, monk's robe oh. or a kimono, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Why is he in a robe? I'm not sure. It's okay. I, f- I think this is the only time Nightcrawler gets to speak, really. Um, <laughs> or he's allowed to speak. Um, <laughs> and he gets mad at Storm for quoting Magneto, which and she's like, "Us oh, is really Shakespeare." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, really. We're at that point where we just hate Magneto now again, do we? Well, he is going to be a bad guy now again, right? Yeah. The, again, Nightcrawler doesn't really say much. and the, the, Again, we're going back to basics, but this storm seems so defeated. Yes. Like, so unstorm-like. It's, it's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. Again, going back to the... This whole thing is all our fault. It's my fault. I led the X-Men to war. How dare I fight for our survival? <laughs> and then even Nightcrawler was like, the X-Men didn't lose. Yeah, and then right on <laughs> cue, we get our newscast. And Storm's like, oh, but we did. <laughs> People hate us because, again. Because because you never know what's going to happen because we upset the Inhumans that were just sat on their ass doing nothing, playing this all time. <laughs> Yeah. So we go, we, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go I was going to say, then we go to the danger room where uh, Rachel is training a squad of birds to fly after her, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Bird rangs. Bird rangs. Yeah. <laughs> so she's training with armor and rock slide and then shows them up, basically, which I'm not sure what that's teaching them. But, um, and teleconnects are better. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> My powers are better than yours. So sorry. Then she talks about her name change, how it's looking forward. Um, she didn't want to go by Phoenix or Marvel Girl. I don't know why she couldn't just go by Rachel. I don't know. Anyway, that's what they, they decided not to do that. But it just seems bizarre. Because like, for her to lose her entire past, sort of like to not think about her past anymore, the legacy that she comes from, I know it's not like uh, move forward, don't be defined by your past, but like she used to live in like a mutant concentration camp, right? Essentially, and from there she's travelled time. She's gone through Excalibur. She's homaged her dead mum by taking the mantle of Marvel Girl, and she's possessed by the Phoenix Force. She's not allowed to use any of those names because Kitty deems it not 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 happy enough as a first. <laughs> You know, it, seems, it just seems odd that she wouldn't... Like, yeah, why is she not called Rachel? Like, why... why Kitty gets to be Kitty. Why can't she just be right. Rachel Gray? They do make fun of um, how how many different code names Kitty has had before, in the past, which that was a nice little in-X-Men joke. Of course, she was Ariel and Sprite and Shadowcat and all that. But she's just going back oh, yeah, to head, Headmaster Kitty. 
Yep, back to being a headmaster again. Oh, sorry, it wasn't. It's not a new idea, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's going over the paperwork and she's lamenting, kind of sarcastically. Well, maybe I can just go back to the Guardians of the Galaxy, or you know, be trapped inside of a giant space bullet. That was fun. And she refers to the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries. Even that's a nice pull. Um, about being an immortal demon ninja psychic puppet. Um, and then she, she talks to Professor X and she jinxes herself as Colossus comes in and asks her out, basically. Ask her to have some dinner. Kitty even gives him an out. You know, says, well, yeah, I could as friends. And Colossus is like, nah, that's not really what I mean. <laughs> but it's so weird because like, people would want to see that relationship, but it's like, nope. Just no. Right. <laughs> Let's just throw that in front, throw the brick wall, front of that, because you know we're going, we're, we're trading on nostalgia, but we we dare not <laughs> reignite some relationships that people actually. Well, work. let me ask you this: Do you think this is a false denial? You think Guggenheim's just uh, trying to throw us off the trail? Probably, because yeah. they're trying not to be as waden as they have been so far in the book, I suppose. <laughs> so you know, you, you can't try. You can try. Right. Yeah. What is wrong with Rachel's face in this panel? Um, like, she got hit she with a spatula, a, maybe? I don't know. She just looks a little off. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's probably the cape's fault. <laughs> probably. And what's she doing? Is she putting her little, like, black eye? I oh my gosh, she is, isn't she? <laughs> so those come on and off, and she has to, like, dress them every time. Oh, that's terrible. Oh that's God. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of makeup glue, if you ask me. Yes, it is. Um, she should just splash some glitter on her face and not worry about it. So they're getting a black bird. They're going to fly off. Someone has attacked the UN. And right, question, question. Yes. Is this the UN in New York, yeah? It looks like it, yes. Why even... Right, they've got a couple of flyers and a teleporter. Why do they need to use a very loud supersonic plane to get across town? <laughs> That's true. They're not coming from Westchester anymore. Maybe Guggenheim forgot. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they would take the Blackbird from Central Park to the UN headquarters. If anything, just hop on the damn subway. (laughs) (laughs) Surely Rachel's powerful enough to just levitate them all there and back. Right. Or maybe not. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, they come to assess the situation... And it's the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants led by... Dun-dun-dun! Magma. Yeah, is she bad now? I can't remember. I can't either. I know she had a nervous breakdown or something. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. She did during, um, um... Uh, what was it when everybody lost their powers? After House of M. M Day? Yeah. Because when her power, like... Shoot. Because she was with someone and they died because they lost their powers. And so she got really mad. But that was like years ago. And maybe she hasn't shown up since then. I don't know. I thought, also, I thought um, Avalanche was dead because the Red Skull like, did something to his brain and then he killed himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, and I mean, how demonic does Avalanche look? Like, literally. Maybe he is evil. dead. Maybe he's undead. Maybe. <laughs> And what the hell is that monster in the background? I think that's Predator X, but it's a little bit different design, so it could be something else. But that's and obviously Pyra, but without his backpack. Oh yeah, yeah. What's and... who's gonna be a spy a starter? I don't know. Where, where, where? Um. <laughs> and is that is that the guy? In, is that Desaad from DC? The guy in the group? Yes, but otherwise known oh. as Mask. <laughs> oh, it's that dude that does weird things to people's faces. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, it's the underpowered Brotherhood of Mutants versus the fully powered <laughs> X-Men. Because, let's be honest, unless that helmet stops psychic projection, Charlie Rachel would be like, Phoenix Force, boom, done. Right, yeah. We're done here, right? Oh, wait. Gee, could you... well, yeah. Do you think Magma is taking the place of Pyro's backpack? Like, he just pulls... Ooh, he just pulls her heat, and that's all he needs. That could be cool. That would be a great visual. Yeah, it would be pretty it cool. Hopefully it is, but it probably won't be. <laughs> um. That would make too much sense. That would be too original. 
It would. <laughs> There's no originality in here. Um, <laughs> and to, fin- to finish off the issue, in my book anyway, I've yeah. got The Road to X-Men Gold, which is a literal history of specific events which mainly deal with the cast of this book, right. but also helps to reinforce the fact that apparently Cyclops was insane and the Inhumans were amazing. Um, oh, where does it say that? <laughs> well, like, stuff like... I didn't um, read all this. Uh... <laughs> Number 35. 35. Number 35. Storm, right, yeah. Storm joined the team to help keep Cyclops' brutality in check. Brutality? <laughs> this is like, this is Kieran Gillen's run, right? So just after schism, he was not brutal. He was like murdering people. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but remember he put, the big argument was he put kids in harm's way, right? Isn't that, wasn't no, no, that? that he's, he's basically talking about, they're talking about the ex- Extinction Squad. And oh, right, Storm, right. To, no, he, he basically made the most powerful X-Men squad of all time just to scare people. It wasn't he wasn't brutally hurting anyone. <laughs> and then and obviously if we move to 37, we have um, Power Mad Cyclops killed Xavier. Well, well a Phoenix Force quoted Power Mad Cyclops killed. He wasn't really Power Mad because he saw that because it was Emma that went crazy and he fought Emma. And then when he finally got all of the Phoenix Force, he felt betrayed by Xavier. And killed him. Yeah. Because he lost control. It was Because he lost control. You know, the same grace everyone gave Jean Grey. Oh, you lost control. That's fine. You can be an X-Men now. He didn't get that free pass. He had been a po- possessed by Apocalypse and everything. He didn't get the free pass. No, he's just like right. an evil psycho. And then well, obviously... Well, um, to be fair, he, he's not a busty redhead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cyclops soon escaped and began leading an outlaw mutant rebellion. Causing distraught <laughs> fellow X Men beast to use time travel equipment. <laughs> yeah, well, this is this is very anti Cyclops, which you know. You would, if you had this, hoping they could help stop the mutant genocide, beast feared Cyclops would provoke, which is generally <laughs> what actually happened. But the way they word this is like, poor old Cyclops, <laughs> like he's a mentalist. And uh, my favorite is a fundamental disagreement between Cyclops and Wolverine. Um, whether to train young mutants to, to safely control their powers or to use their abilities for war. Drove a wedge between them. And then it says, like, the school's really good, but it got attacked a few times. It's essentially the next one. <laughs> and they, and they push, over the, push over the fact that this book is copying Baden's Astonishing X-Men by just saying, simultaneously, Cyclops, who had also returned, convinced Kitty to rejoin the X-Men, hoping that a likable nature would help the team's public image. That's literally all it says, when really what he was doing was that is just one element of his entire plan, which was to make them superheroes again. <laughs> but we don't mention that. Let's not mention that. Right. <laughs> because that would that would give up the idea that we don't have actually any original ideas. It's just insane, generally. Yeah, and th- my favourite bit is, however, when finally learning of the fatal nature of the mist for mutants, the Inhumans worked with the X-Men to destroy the clan. <laughs> After basically saying you can't touch it, it's my it's our religious freedom to allow this poison cloud to come around for practically like six months plus however many books there have been. Right. No that moment, it's that, just that Marvel moment. trying to say, please please keep buying inhuman comics. They're not bad, yeah. we promise. <laughs> They're in, uh, it's crazy. But um going back to gold, on a whole. What do you think of the art overall? I think it's stronger than the writing. Yeah, um, it, it tells the story. It's it's got. It reminds me of a few people though, which is I don't know if that's the purpose. Gary Frank is in a few of these issues. Like the faces remind me a bit of Gary Frank in places. Okay, I can see that. Um, but there's a strong, there's some bold moments, but it feels very classical superhero. And I know this is going to sound insane, but I just don't think classic super superhero visuals match the X Men. And that sounds mental, because if you think of the people who have actually worked on the X-Men when they were growing in, they became, like, the classical vision right. of I'm... books. But I know this sort of style just kind of mutes the whole book for me. And it just... It's not dynamic. The X-Men don't... They look great. It looks good. It's solid. It tells its story perfectly well. It's... You know, the, the but the... The actions and the action, the action shots are okay, but the the actual fight with T Rex is kind of like a non-starter. The biggest moment is essentially 
the phasing of the building. If you've not been an X-Men fan, I can imagine you'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But if you've seen her phase something through a planet, <laughs> you've kind of gone, well, we've, we've taken a slight step back now. I watched X-Men Evolution, one of the best X-Men things ever to uh, be on TV. And there's like, she's kitty in that, phases the black in one of the episodes. And so I'm like, I've seen her face many things, so I'm just not impressed. But <laughs> to be fair, to the, to be fair, the art is stronger than the script because I think the script is struggling to find what it's trying to be. Right. It's the Kitty Show, which is fine because <laughs> I like Kitty. Yes. But her and Logan have the best stuff going on in this entire book. Like their interactions are the easily the best moments of the book. They're the only things that are, are close to what I'd call actual character work Colossus and Nightcrawler might as well not be there well except, for, except for Colossus you know making things awkward with scene. Kitty so I suppose I suppose it better be said it'd be better said that Rachel and Nightcrawler might as well and Storm might as well not be there right Storm is essentially what she is like in the original films where she's just a prop for special effects <laughs> and Nightcrawler doesn't really do anything at all and I know it's only a first issue and you, you don't want all the all you know there's constraints and such forth but right. we we as seasoned comic professionals comic professionals now seasoned comic <laughs> readers um have read many first issues with mass ensembled casts and they've managed to allow to highlight all of the cast at once with specific moments which gets you engaged i agree it's been done it could have been done um you know maybe make the 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 lawyer bit one page instead of two and, you know, give give Nightcrawler an extra page or, or Rachel, you know. It's like, the, the whole point of this is, like, we asked for it, whoever we were. Right. And so, and I feel like I never asked for this book <laughs> to be like this. Um, I, I, I do hope it gets better. I do still feel like there's a lot to go. It is only an issue one. It's unfair to, like, write the whole series off on one issue. No, right, you can't do that. But But I feel like it's got the best intentions but we, no everyone knows what happens when you have the best intentions um <laughs> well i'm just but, uh, i'm curious because i'm i thought the issue was fine like it had a, it had its moments um i don't have just historically a whole lot of faith in mark guggenheim you know he he took over the uh the last version of the adjective was X Men after uh, and Brian Wood left. Space station. Yeah, uh, no, it was. That was it was a waste of a story, and um, so I don't know. Like his, I'm hoping he can kind of just say, "Oh, don't ignore that. I'm going to write something else." And I mean, we do have a couple of. I guess, I guess the jury is out for me on whether he can actually establish like kind of a classic X Men feel whether he can just sprinkle X-Men tropes throughout a bad script and hope that it works. That's the thing. It feels like that. Like what she says, she survives the experience. Right. Like, you're trading on your nostalgia. You're not giving me anything new. That really annoys me. Is The biggest thing that annoys me the most is this reminds me specifically of one specific moment in X-Men history, and that's X-Men Reloaded, which was uh, Grant Morrison had left uh, the X-Men and Claremont took over one book. And it was the team where it's like Bishop. Oh, uh, Extreme, Extreme X Men. Um, not Extreme X Men. It's the one. It's the one just after Extreme X Men. Oh. It's just uh, um, it's it's got like Bishop, Nightcrawler, Cannonball. X Men Three was introduced in in the first storyline with it, and it, it's it's drawn by Alan Davis, and it was written by Claremont. And okay, it, they were going for like that whole they're back in bright superhero costumes. Right. Because okay. he was do, he was doing he was doing that while Waden was doing astonishing, and Waden was kind of doing it right, and Claremont was just doing Claremont and trading on the fact that he was Claremont. And this is what that feels like <laughs> to me. It feels like this is just trading on the fact that it is trying to be like it is in the past. Right. But they're trying to. It's like, oh look, it is different. Look, they're fighting T Rex instead of like someone else. And look, the Brotherhood doesn't have. It has Magma as the leader, not Magneto. <gasps> Shock horror. But I'm like. It's been a couple of months ago since Kitty was basically the headmistress of the school. You know, she was already Professor Kitty in all new X-Men. It's not exactly right. new. And that's the problem is that it, it, 
the main focus, the main newness of the book is that, oh, look, Kitty's in charge. It's different. And I'm like, well, we've just, we've literally just read this. <laughs> like two years ago, I've literally just read Kitty in charge of a group of X-Men. And Bendis is a better writer than Guggenheim. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Down. Yeah. So, and it, that's the problem. If it keeps throwing tropes and things I've already read at me, I'm just going to be like, it feels like a Diet Coke version of the Coke I <laughs> used to drink. So it's not as bad as Pepsi, but it's not Coke either. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I, I, I generally think the other books, because I kind of thought that X-Men Gold might be the weakest link. Yeah, I did too. So I'm hoping the other books, like, jump up. Because I've actually read some of um, the, um, I haven't read all of it, but I've, uh, I've read some of Laura's sort of, new direction yeah and i thought that was i was de- like so far i'm quite enjoying it. i was quite enjoying it but yes. i think i just enjoy wolverine um <laughs> yeah i think she's great but um and i generally think that the other books might be a little better maybe i don't know it's hard to say yeah we'll see i think the You'll big the big Black test Blue, for me but... on this series will be in the next issue because if you look at the cover obviously we, we it focuses old man logan Logan, Logan, fighting this new brotherhood. And to me, a big test, for especially from the writing of Guggenheim, is going to be when they fight next issue, do we learn something about this new brotherhood? Like, you know, what, why is Magma doing this? What's her motivation? You know, how does she pull these guys together? Or is it just going to be a fight with a couple of, like, nods to sentimentality again and that that'll be kind of a big determining factor with how much potential this book really has because if it's and there's nothing there and they're just a team just to fill the role of the villain of the issue and we don't like establish something with those characters and i i think i'm not gonna have a whole lot of hope for this book but if we can get something kind of meaty on the villains and actually have them mean something and also they have to be like a a six-part arc but you know Maybe, you know, like, you know, talk about Claremont, maybe we can have some good recurring villains that, like, pop up, you know, every six months or so. And, I don't know, that that can be interesting. So, I, I'm i going to kind of grade this with a lot of, well, let's see what number two looks like. But, um, but yeah, I'm kinda, it just felt kind of, just not bad, but not exciting. <laughs> Ex- exciting, indeed. Oh, right, right. Uh. But um, if I was going to grade it um, out of claws, uh, I'd probably give it. I don't want to be super hot down on it, but I'd probably give it two, two and a half. Okay, well, that's I right think. around where I was. Because I think the the art kind of gives it most of the credit. Right. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give X Men Gold number one three out of six claws. So we're kind of we're pretty close on how we felt about it. So all right, well. Any closing thoughts? Let's just hope the rest is better. Yeah. Yeah, we will. We will cross our cross our fingers in an X and hope that um <laughs> that this book gets better and the other books start off a little stronger. So um I I see why people like it. You know, you were talking I don't I don't remember now if it was before or after we started recording. But um you were talking about how this book is getting pretty high marks kind of just generally speaking and I think I think it's because just the change in tone and people are just kind of being blind to us actually, you know, the quality of the writing and the art and just saying, oh, yeah, I want my X-Men to be heroes. So they said that, so I love it. <laughs> or maybe I just... Suppose, I suppose if you fed crap for like however many times I, the IVX era was, right. I think anything that isn't crap will taste sweet. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's always good to eat corn off the cob and not out of a diaper, right? Very much. <laughs> and y'all can quote me on that. <laughs> All right, well, Dan, thank you so much for coming back on, and um, we will see if we can keep this this up. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, more than likely help you with the other ones. Awesome. Talk about blue. Generation X. I can't remember the rest. <laughs> yeah, Just... well, whatever they are. X dot dot dot. <laughs> so. There you go. Awesome. Why don't you once again just kind of give a quick uh, rundown of, of your plugs, what you have going on? Um, just uh, followers. Uh, go on G- 
Google and just put in a comics podcast and everything will just pop up. You've got the SoundCloud, one iTunes, um, one Twitter at Intercomics Pod. Um, God, there's more probably, but I'm forgetting because I'm terrible at plugging everything. <laughs> so yeah, you'll awesome. you'll know. Just yeah, just type yeah. in Intercomics Pod. You'll find us all through that. Awesome. Easy. Sounds good. And what's your personal Twitter if you would like to divulge it? Um, at Gizmo fifteen eleven eighty three. Awesome. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dan, again. And that was X-Men Gold number one. And we will see what the future brings. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it. Hope you enjoyed our episode as we uh, kick off the new chapter in the life of all our X-Men characters, of course, including Wolverine and Old Man Logan, because this is the podcast that goes snicked. Snickety snack. Yep. And this was Resurrection Week 1. And thanks again so much for, to Dan for coming on again and talking about some new books. And I just super appreciate that. So please go listen to the Intracomics podcast. Do yourself a solid. It's a great show. Denise. Yes. What's your Twitter? At. At. <laughs> D-A-S underscore Venable. There you go. So follow Denise. And also follow the podcast at Snickcast. Um, you can like the Facebook page, and you can even go to the website and look at show notes. And that's snickcast.podbean.com. I have no idea what will be next. I have a couple of things going. I don't know which order I'm going to edit and put them out in. So, uh, um, I think you know which order because we've been recording numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I don't know what's going to come after this. This is one, podcast is number 200 and blah, blah, blah. Right. So we're going to go see Logan. I don't, we may talk about that next, or we may. I also have an episode in the cans with uh, Cameron on Punisher War Journal for a flashback, and so I don't know which of those will be next. Did you put a number on that one? Nope. Oh. No numbers. Ha <laughs> ha. Smart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, or, I mean, by the time I'm going out of town, by the time I get back, we'll have our next round of resurrection books, so that may be next. Ooh. So, one of those three things will be next. I really want to do the Logan thing. Yeah, and that won't be that long, so we'll, we'll do that. Are you sure? Because when we get started... Yeah, you're right. We'll probably touch on Legion, too. So Yeah. So We'll do that as soon as I get back. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll get lots of coffee. Yes. And tequila. <laughs> All right. Well, until whatever is next, you will be along for the ride, won't you? Yes. Won't you? I will. Yes, you will. Yes. Thank you. We love because you. They they love to listen to us. Bantor. Bantor. Yeah. Bantor. Yeah. Hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. And snickety snacks. snacks.